Toaster, toaster. Say that you toast me, toast me, toast me. Say that you oh, toast me. Look at that. Yes. Look at that. We are back. We are kind of loud. Yeah, we are. Yeah. But also really crisp. Yes. <laughs> Get the strawberries. We're becoming an ASMR channel. Good morning, David. Good morning, Sergio. How are you? I'm, uh... I'm in a mood, I guess. What's your mood? You know, just uh, disillusionment. Let's let's put it that way. Oh, okay. So, for all our new listeners or fans, if we have new listeners or fans, um, you guys already probably know Sergio's a big movie guy, and I am his yin to his yang. I'm the complete opposite. I like movies. I like movies. I don't make it my life. Give me the watch. Give me the watch. I don't make it my life. And with that, I haven't seen many classics or good movies. In fact, the running joke with Sergio during uh, high school and early on in college was my favorite movie was Rat Race, the 2001 classic. That is a classic. Okay. With it had a what, Mr. Bean? Yes, Queen so Latifah, Rowan right? Atkinson, uh, no, not Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah was not. No, it had Whoopi Goldberg. Whoop, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> um, Amy Smart was in there. Amy uh, Smart was there. Yes, she was the she was the blonde girl. She she was my crush in that movie. The whole Dude, movie. Do we really should watch? Sit you down know, and it watch probably that. Informed actually a lot of the uh, choices I made in regards to female partners because she's crazy in that movie. And it makes was a she whole the one, lot of sense now. Was she the one that like lifts her top off when like the two dudes are driving and no, they crash? No, no. That's one of the pierced uh, girls that yeah. they're driving by. No, Amy Smart is the one, the helicopter pilot oh. that like goes over to her cheating boyfriend's house and like basically tries to like kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good movie. We should sit down and watch that just to see how much it's aged, if it's aged well. I saw it fairly recently. I, really? I, I, I still enjoyed it. Tifty. Yeah. All right, so what's your mood? I'm pretty sure I know what the mood is and what the subject is going to be, but I'll let you tell the story. Well, you know, I mean, yes, I'm I'm in a state of, of disillusionment right now. But <laughs> And let me tell you, honestly, I mean, the, the Star Wars movie doesn't even have that much to do with it, really. Really? It's, it's more... No, man. Here's the thing is that... I thought that was going to be... We're just going to shit No, I do want I do want to talk about it. Okay. I, I do want to talk about it, yes, because it is it is part of the feeling, right? Well, we kind of have to put a spoiler tag on it, right? Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll okay. get to that. But whereas, like, five years ago, that might have been, you know, the source of my disillusionment, I, it's just... It's not even... What's most surprising to me is how little I actually do care about it, right? Like, I do care about it, but I don't care about it nearly as much as... I thought I was going to, right? Like, I, I mean, Star Wars is a big part of, of my film education, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it was one of the earliest uh, exposures I had to, to, to story. And, and, you know, I remember, you know, my, when my stepdad got me my first lightsaber, it was like a Qui-Gon Jinn, you know, one of those plastic ones, and we would fight in the backyard. I mean, he introduced me to it, you know, and mm-hmm. I've gone to the conventions, and I, I, I really do enjoy the movies. I really, I really do love the stories. And, you know, but it is also one of those franchises that's, you know, uh, there are more bad movies in the Star Wars saga than there are good ones, you know, and I'm, I'm perfectly content with admitting that, you know, because it doesn't detract from my enjoyment of those first three movies, you know, mm-hmm. even Return of the Jedi to some extent, you know, I'm, I'm like, all right, we're already getting into, uh, 
you know, Lucas uh, territory, you know, that he got into with the prequels. But, you know, with this one, I just what surprised me the most, like I said, is how little I really did care about it, because I'm getting to an age where I'm I'm really starting to care about different things. more Like so. what? Well, OK. Like, like I adult said, things like day to day, like, oh, how am I going to well, survive? Well, no, I don't have to worry about that right now because, I mean, I, I don't have to. Wor- I mean, I don't have any bills or anything like that. Right. I'm. I'm lucky enough that I can just keep putting money away while I'm, you know, living with my parents so I can make this movie and then go to L.A. afterward. So that's not one of the concessions um, or not concessions, rather. And that's not one of the factors that I'm I'm concerned about. You know, I'm, I'm more concerned about the things that I'm doing now and what they're going to. I guess, set up for me to do later, if that makes sense. Right. Like right now I'm in the throes of, of writing this script for the movie I want to shoot next year. Mm-hmm. And you know emotionally i'm i'm really concerned with whether or not it's going to land you know you know what i'm talking about like if if people are really going to to mesh with it right cuz and then especially going off of something you said about star wars where you were like two thirds of the movie doesn't justify one third that's good right mm-hmm. and i don't know if you meant that like just a third overall was good or if the last third was good like what what did you what did you mean by that's that that's exactly what i meant though i thought the first Two thir- the first two thirds of that movie was a freaking snooze fest, and it's just hard. Yeah, I just found it really boring. Nothing. It just felt like just plot armor everywhere, just mm-hmm. ass pulls everywhere. Oh, uh, again, spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, I freaking hate you for betraying our spice or drug deal, whatever. But I also wanted up my ass, so here's a fucking medal that lets you park anywhere in the galaxy. <laughs> Yeah, I actually I, I brought that up to my my stepdad when we were talking about the movie after I'm like, she's about to kill him, right? Like yeah. she has a gun to his face, and then five minutes later, this thing that Poe admits that he's never seen in person before, which means it's hard to come by. Yeah. She's just like, Oh, you take it. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Same um, thing. Chewie, no and and then oh shit, Chewie's alive, guy. Like there's no consequences to it. Yeah. It's not that I want to see the Resistance lose, because I do. I'll be honest. Like I said, I'm not a Star Wars fan. Not really. Yeah, you have no horse in the race. I have no horse in the race. I just think they're annoying, and they're preachy, especially like these Disney, these the Disney trilogy. I think it's super freaking preachy. Um, so I really want the Resistance to lose at any chance they can. But Jesus, what a boring ensemble of characters they developed yeah. over three movies. Yeah. I did not give a single shit about any of them. Well, Kylo Ren, maybe to an extent, but that's really it. Kylo Ren had probably the most emotional development of any of the characters, right? But something I was also explaining to my stepdad, and I guess we'll just get into it already. But, you know, I don't know what these characters are after. Like, I don't know what motivates them, what drives them, what's what's really compelling about them as individual people, right? Like, I least, thought, I mean, what was what do we know about Finn? Oh, yeah, I know he wanted to fuck Ray, like well, in the first was, movie. He and was then... a child slave, right? Or he was a he was picked up by the first order, and as a child, and then brainwashed to be part of the the program, right? So then his his thing is like he wants to do something, like he's been raised to do one thing and one thing only, and he doesn't want to do that thing. So then he goes off, and, and that's it. He doesn't look back. Yeah, pretty. It's much. not like he has an internal struggle with it. Oh, no, he's like, okay, I'm just gonna do this. That's it. I made friends. That's it. Yeah. Everything's great. No, it's 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 remarkably simplistic, right? And it's not 
That's not to say that the original Star Wars films weren't simplistic either, but it's not their simplicity was not their downfall, right? Like you could understand those characters. I don't know. I think it was their downfall because it's just carbon copies that don't interest me. Poe's the same thing, but a shittier version of Han Solo. Oh no, I'm saying I'm saying that the original films that these films are based on. Mm, okay, right? okay, okay. That there was a simplicity to those films, but you could you could engage with that simplicity because they go out of their way to make sure that you understand what motivates all of these people, right? Yeah. They had dimensionality, and that's what these characters lack. Where each of these characters sort of fits a role, the original trilogy cast, those are people that came together. They have those are three-dimensional people, whereas these are people, not they're not even people. They're just trying <laughs> they're just trying <laughs> to people. emulate the slots that were created yeah. by the original series. I mean, that's... And that's tough to do. I mean, it's not an easy job to do, but well, it's it just felt like it was too formulaic. It's just copy and paste this character, copy and paste this character. Right. All right, let's shit out money. That's, and that's what that's Disney why exactly it's tough did. To do. That's why it's tough to do, because they're just trying to copy an existing model instead of trying to tell something different. interesting, right? Something emotional. I mean, that's that's the core of it, where... Star Wars was about an emotional journey about this this kid who was too impulsive who learns to 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 manage his feelings and not make the mistakes of his father but these movies are just sort of like there's a good quote that's that George Lucas has where you know he was on Charlie Rose the one where he calls Disney white slavers and um he was like you know Star Wars is not about spaceships right it's about this family drama you know people call it science fiction it's not really it's space opera right it's it's like a soap opera mm-hmm. you know it's about the family struggles of this one family and that was the that was when when they have that shot in this new movie of 10,000 star destroyers and he just rips lifts them out of the ground and there's just all these ships and they all have planet killer weapons on them i'm like wow no they they really they just they just don't get it they they just don't get this right because that was all i could hear in my head it's not about spaceships it's not about spaceships and then especially when everyone comes to help them right and it's just thousands of spaceships and i'm like is this really is this really it like it felt like star wars by way of like the fast and the furious i guess <laughs> where it was just sort of like a popcorn movie where it's like oh we go to watch you know they're not gonna make any chases and they're space not gonna wars and they're and not gonna make any more spinoffs right after that one failed with a uh, donald glover the solo solo what was it called uh yeah no it was called solo it was a, a han solo origin story um i mean if they i'm pretty sure they're the the mo is that they're gonna do uh one star wars movie every other year they're gonna trade off with avatar for basically the next decade where avatar will come out i think in 2021 and they're gonna make an avatar three in 2023 yeah so it'll be avatar for that christmas star wars for the next christmas avatar for that christmas oh so the story's gonna keep on continuing with ray no well i mean i don't know if they're gonna go because they've said that it's supposed to be a uh (laughs) They said this is supposed to be the end of the Skywalker saga, right? Okay. So I don't know. I don't. I mean, they haven't announced what the next Star Wars movie. Because you be. know what? I think, dude, I would pay for a Fast and Furious Star Wars. Just pod racing. Yeah. Not Episode One, but just no, just Dominic Dominic Toretto and the Fast and Furious universe just meshes up with the Star Wars universe. But you know what? You're joking, <laughs> right? But Michelle I think Rodriguez. what's I think what's most compelling about Star Wars as a brand is venturing out into untrodden or uncharted territory, right? In terms of genre. So 
a Fast and Furious, you know, whatever. If you took Fast and Furious and you just replaced it with pod racing. Or like a right? Mad Max type of sort of thing. That would sure, be cool. Right. But if you look at The Mandalorian and why that's so successful, where people are really gravitating towards this story that's not exactly like the most complex or emotionally, you know, interesting kind of thing. It's just it's just a space western, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's about a bounty hunter trying to, you know, basically get his bounties. But it's something we haven't seen before, right? It's not it's not what makes those things so successful and I think what makes Galaxy's Edge successful to some extent, right? The Star Wars park that they have over in Orlando. It's that it's it's taking what you know and it's doing something different with it whereas it's not trying to just repeat the same things that you know you get what i'm saying it's taking the elements you know and it's inverting it not inverting it but it's just it's constructing something new with those different elements whereas these this new trilogy is trying to take the thing that you really care about with star wars and just trying to do that again mm-hmm. you know that's that's the ultimate failure of these movies is that they're just trying to go for the same thing again, right? They're just going for the same beats, the same uh, 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 story, really. Just go for it again and again and again. Whereas you have these new things, you know, Mandalorian, and we'll see what happens with the Kenobi show. And, you know, hopefully whatever that new trilogy is, isn't just, you know, oh, we're going to do the same kind of movie over and over and over again. They've had a lot more success with the new stuff, you know? And I think, it. I mean... I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think what makes this new stuff more successful is that they're not, you know, banking on your nostalgia for Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and all that crap, especially with new people. Right. You don't have any of that nostalgia. That's why the first two thirds of Rise of Skywalker are fucking boring to you. Right. Because the, the emperor and, and, and any of that, uh, any of the the existing mythos of that whole saga doesn't mean anything to you. True. You know. So. Anyway. To get back to my larger point. Uh, well, but hold up, hold up. I'm very curious because when I, because we both saw it the same day. Right. That's a big surprise because I actually saw that movie opening day. Um, But when I texted you that, I said the best I could do is give it a C plus. And you're like, I'm probably around the same. But you actually have that emotional connection. So what failed? What, what why didn't it draw you in? Um... Okay, well, one of the biggest issues I had with it, and I'm willing to contend that the reason this was an issue for me is because I've I've been writing screenplays since I was you know in the sixth grade, right? Like mm-hmm. I've I've really, I've really delved deep into what it takes to construct a character and make them feel real and feel dimensional, and I think the core of what makes a character empathetic and what makes you see them as a three dimensional being rather than just a you know an agent of the plot is when you can understand why a character is doing what they're doing, right? You understand the motivation behind what their what their actions are showing you, what them what their dialogue is showing you and all that. A good example is Die Hard, right? You can understand who John McClane is as a person based on the actions he's taking, right? Mm-hmm. He jumps into action because, you know, he's a cop and all that. He, you know, believes in the right thing, but his wife is also there at the party so he has this emotional connection to making sure that he stops these terrorists but then at the same time you're also understanding that he's a family man he cares about his kids that there's some trouble going on over there so you're able to empathize with him because oh here's here's just a guy who's down on his luck who just so happens on christmas eve of all fucking things his wife gets you know taken hostage by these these you know these terrorists and he's the only one who can do anything about it because he's on the inside and they don't know he's there. Yeah. 
So you have this interesting idea for an action movie, but then you also have this emotional core there where it's about this guy trying to rekindle that relationship, the, the, that distance has created with his wife. Yeah. In this movie, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. And even in, not even just this movie, just the three movies in general, I don't know what Poe cares about. I don't know what, what he's interested in. You know, I don't know. I don't know emotionally what it is that, that drives him, you know, and the same for Finn. And to some extent, even the same with Ray, right? I mean, Ray, they really try to make it about her trying to find her place, right? Her she's, identity. She's trying to develop her identity. And while that is perfectly serviceable, I just don't understand. I mean, I, I just don't know what they were going for with that. Like, if, if she adopts the identity of, of a Skywalker, right? That's That's ultimately what happens. But it's just like a good example of what I'm talking about is the very end of the movie when she goes to Tatooine, right? She goes to Luke Skywalker's old house. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why why are you going there? Like, what what about everything that's transpired made you want to go there? Why are you burying these sabers, right? And then why, why are you pulling out your own saber and igniting it just to look at it? You built the damn thing. You know that it works, right? Because you built it. At least that's part of the process of being a Jedi is where you build your own lightsaber. And I know, at least as, a, as, a, as someone who, who studies the, the mode of, of film, right, that there are two reasons it's there. One, because they can show you a new lightsaber that you're going to buy. That's the primary reason, right? And, that, and really, to pretend that Star Wars has been anything else other than a vehicle to sell toys to children would be, would be foolish, right? Because you can go all the way back to the first Star Wars, the very first Star Wars that George Lucas didn't even think was going to be a hit, where it became such a massive success that they sold an empty box to children that Christmas. They couldn't make the figures fast enough, so you would buy this box that basically came with 12 coupons and 12 pictures of the toys you were going to get. And when they actually finished making the toys in March or April, you could mail it in, and then they would send you the toy. Really? Yes, yes. So to pretend that Star Wars has been has ever been anything other than a vehicle for uh you know products and mass marketing and all that is just it's it's nonsense right it's been there from the very beginning that's that's not the thing that, that gets me about it the thing that gets me about it is that i don't understand why she's doing these things and that's that's the core of all of this like what it, who who are these people that are like chanting in the emperor's chamber like where, where did they come from? Do they live there? Do, or do they have like apartments or some shit? Like who are these? Do they just stand there for, I mean, hours and hours and hours on end waiting? Like who, what, none of these things make sense in a, in a realistic context, right? Where you look at at least the original trilogy, you kind of understood what everything, everything that was going on, right? The empire was this, you know, totalitarian dictatorship they sort of owned the major systems and you could sort of get an idea because again in the 20th century we were in the throes of wars with several totalitarian dictatorships mm -hmm. so you could get an idea of what life was like in that world and then uh -huh. you saw life for for Luke right he lived on this outer rim planet and there's just sort of nothing going on and you know he's hearing about this this war that's going on and he wants to be a part of it and you know because he wants to do the right thing and all of his friends has le have left to go fight in the war and then eventually when his parents are killed, he has nothing left and he goes to join this old crazy guy to go help fight in the war. But then you get to the rebels and you see, you know, the ships are dirty. They're fighting with with 
whatever resources they can get their hands on, it's totally just scrapped together, right? Like they don't have any any sort of support because they're fighting this massive. They don't massive have thing. pink hair dye. No, they don't have pink hair dye, right? And it's it's symbolized it's it's symbolized best in that opening shot of episode four where you have this tiny little Carillion Corvette floating, right? Just shooting. And then you have this massive Star Destroyer. It's just, it's like a thousand times the size of it, right? But but visually, you can understand what the film's trying to show you. These are the Rebels, and this is what they're up against, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But you understand why, like Leia, right? Leia has a personal investment in this now because they blow up, they blew up her home planet, right? She she gives them, she tells them her her home planet, and they and they blow it up as a symbol of the of the power of the station. And, and 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 she has skin in the game now, right? Because mm-hmm. everything she's ever known has been taken from her, you know. But like, well, well, again, I go back. I go back to Poe. Like, oh, how do you know how to hotwire a a, a a speeder? Does that really matter? Does that matter, right? Like, you 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 were a stormtrooper, right? Like your whole you. Were, I mean, grant it wasn't your fault, right? It's not like you joined them willingly, but like, your whole bag was like ruling me i mean like you were part of the whole whatever i'm I'm not even i'm not even gonna get into that but it's just you look at a moment like that and then you look at a moment like let's say like in the last jedi where they're going out of their way to save the horses but they don't give a shit about the child slaves there are 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 human children are enslaved there right they're being whipped by their masters by the way, do you know, I, I mean, you don't have to be in rich people circles to know how well rich people treat their horses, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they they're, they want them to win, right? So they want to give them the best care so that yeah. they can win them more races, right? They put all this money into, into care and treatment and all that stuff. No one's going to be whipping their fucking prized racing horses into submission, right? Not to mention, oh, okay, now it was worth it because we let the horses go. Oh, you don't see those two or three fucking cop bots or whatever the hell were floating over them that are just going to round up the horses in three hours? <laughs> like, just absurd. And it's just all of these 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 things are, are motivated by, by, by... I don't understand what they're motivated by, you know? Like, I really don't get other than, like, we have to save the horses. Or what you said, right, where it was just sort of Disney, like... Uh, what 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 was it you said? Not pandering. You didn't use the word being pandering. Preachy, preachy, right? Where it's like, oh, we gotta, we have to make a statement on animal rights, and it's like, okay, fine, but we we definitely don't care about child slaves. We definitely don't give a flat fuck about ch- child slavery. That's totally cool, you know. Can't piss off the Chinese, right? <laughs> can't piss off the Chinese. No, no, you can't. You can't, right? Because that's where they want these movies to open biggest. And hold on. We have a live play-by-play. Toast is leaving the room. Toast is out of here. Back to child slavery, Sergio. And the Chinese market, the Chinese booming box office. Okay, so let me try to let me try to bring this back here. So if we're going back to structure and screenplay and understanding dimensionality, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding these these characters as people and not as agents of the plot, because in this movie. It's very, very easy, and this happened in the prequel trilogy too, so it's not just a problem with the new series, uh, where these characters are not, they don't feel motivated by by personal interest, right? Luke was motivated by this interest in saving his father, let's say, in Return of the Jedi. He mm-hmm. believed 
that there was still something good in him, right? Despite everyone telling him otherwise. But then you look at the prequels and you look at these movies and it's sort of, most of the characters are sort of talking about uh, what they're going to do next, like what the next plan is and where we're going next. And it's just sort of like setting up the next scene yeah. without really understanding why we're going there or, or what it is about these people that they need to go here, you know? Um, but then one of the biggest problems for me, and again, this one is just, just for me as a writer, because I'm interested in the economy of, of words, is like there are so many times in this movie where they find like two or three ways to say the same thing over and over and over again. Like when they're in Babu Frick's uh, place, when they're trying to you know get the information to C-3PO's head, uh-huh. it's like, okay, so what you're going to do is take his information out of his head. Yes, what I will do is I will take the information out of his head. And then C-3PO was like, yeah, they're going to take the information out of my head. And it's like, okay, I get it. I get it, right? And and then another one, right, where they say, you know, Ray Ray's a Palpatine, right, where he goes up on the ship and he's like, you are the granddaughter of, of, of the emperor. You are a Palpatine. And it's like, yeah, you just, you just, you just told us that five seconds ago, <laughs> right? Like... There are so many moments in this movie that are are purely there just to get the clap out of the opening day audience, you know, like or the gas, you know, like, dude, fucking Kylo Ren, when he grabs the lightsaber from the force link, which is actually one of the cool things I like about Mm -hmm. these movies. I actually I actually think that's a really cool force power. But when he grabs the lightsaber, he does he does like a he, he goes like this. He goes like like he's waiting for applause. And it's like. Why? Why is no one running right at you right now? Because you're you're going like this. You're you're totally open. Any there's like six of them. Shit. There's like six of them surrounding you. Okay. Jesus Christ. Hold on. Let me. Dude, J.J. Abrams isn't happy. There's like six of them surrounding you, and you're just literally opening yourself up to attack. But it's just it's a cool moment. Oh my god. It is a very cool moment. Yeah, it's a cool moment. Why Why is Kylo Ren doing that? Oh, my God. Did I really fuck up the whole microphone? I don't think you did. No, every time I talk, it's like... <laughs> anyway, the reason they repeat things over and over again is because these films are designed for children, right? It's a Disney picture. Um, so, you know, they want to make sure that the kids can follow along with the story because they don't know, you know, they don't know Leia by sight. Yeah. Right? So even though Ray, I kind of got that feeling too that a lot of it was just like watered down, dummy down for like the younger generation. Right, of course, because like like I said, they don't know Leia by face. So when Ray feels Leia's, you know, basically dying, right, and he can she can feel that in the Force. Even though I, as a film, uh, as a as someone who enjoys the movie, can understand from an editing perspective that Leia cut together with Ray and that reaction she's having means those two images are connected. Not everyone's going to get that, right? Mm-hmm. So when she says Leia, even though I think that that's a waste, right, and sort of like treating me like an idiot, not everyone's going to get that. So that's fine, right? I understand that. But then the other, and typically the the bigger reason, right, is that it's not only designed for kids. It's designed for kids in other cultures, right? It's designed for kids in Germany. It's designed for kids in China. It's designed for kids in Japan, right? Like it's designed for children whose primary language may not be English, right? So you need to make sure that those kids who do not understand the cultural cues of, of the way Americans talk or anything like that, 
can follow along with the story as well. Mm -hmm. So you're repeating all this information just to make sure everyone's on the same page, you know? And that's a consideration you have to make when you're making films on a global scale like a Star Wars or like a Fast and Furious or like any other, you know, major tentpole, you know, AAA, whatever you want to call it, you know, Hollywood release, right? Okay. Because they need to play well in foreign markets. So as a business person, I understand completely why it's there. As someone who enjoys the craft of filmmaking, I think it's totally wasteful and it treats me like a moron, right? But again... It's not necessarily I mean, I for like me. A, I feel like it's a really small issue, though. It's it is a issue. small issue, and I'm I'm totally willing to admit that that is an issue that a very small amount of people are going to have. Yeah. Because I have a perspective on it that most people do not. Right. Mm -hmm. I really try to go out of my way when I'm developing characters in my scripts to understand exactly why someone is doing something at the moment they're doing it, why someone is saying something specifically that thing at that specific moment really trying to get at the core of what motivations are, right? And that's just not a thought that a lot of people are going to have because they don't they don't look at film in that way, you know? I look at it in that way because I make these things, right? So I have to know that information. So if I'm looking for that information and I can't find it, it's going to be harder for me to get into a story. And that's why I don't watch a whole lot of, you know, big tentpole Hollywood releases because there isn't a whole lot of thought put into character motivations as there is, you know, working working backwards right okay we know we want the emperor so how do we get him in the story okay we know we want the movie to end at luke's old house on tatooine so how do we get that mm -hmm. and this and that and this and that you know basically working backwards from these are the things that need to be in here and we need to figure out how to get them in there without thinking about why they should be in there mm -hmm. you know so whatever um the two lightsabers she buries at the end that's leia's and leia and luke's lightsaber Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, which, again, I don't know why she's doing that. I don't, I don't know why she chose to do that, right? And as far as an image, I can understand that, like, her turning on her lightsabers means that she's not abandoning the Jedi Order by getting rid of these lightsabers. It's sort of like, you know, okay, we're putting the old away, and here is the, the new, new, right? Yeah. So I can understand it from that perspective. But, like, what is Rey doing specifically, right? Like, what is what is possessing Rey herself? Like, what is going through her head she's when she's like, Skywalker all right, now. let me make sure that this thing works. <laughs> okay, great, it works. Like, I, I don't, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it, right? Um, look, a good example, a good example of what I'm talking about, right? And this is a very basic example, and it's in this movie. Uh, Hux, you know, a uh, 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 Hitler youth boy, right? Oh, um, okay, okay. Okay, so he's there. They're like, "Why are you helping us?" And he's like, "I don't give a shit if you win. I just I want Kylo, Kylo Ren, Ren to, to lose, lose, right?" For what reason? Oh, well, okay. If you know, across all three of these movies, you know, Hux has been Kylo Ren's whipping boy basically for all three of the movies, and then especially in this really? one. Really? Oh, I guess. Where, that, I guess that just goes to show you like how much like I paid attention, right. Or how much I remember because I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Well, okay, because like even in this movie specifically, and Kylo then I rewatched two later that evening, mm -hmm. believe it or not, and then I remember there's a scene where Hux could kill Kylo Ren. He's taking out the pistol and he's like, "Oops, yeah, never mind, not doing yeah, that." Yeah, there's a rivalry there, but then that gives that relationship, however you know poorly developed you want to you know claim that it is, 
that gives it some dimension, right? Because there are these two co-workers who are basically at each other's throats trying to appeal to the supreme leader, right? They're basically in a sibling rivalry here. But then Kylo Ren's the golden boy because he's a Skywalker and he's fucking jealous of that shit, right? That he just gets to keep fucking shitting on him. He's like, I don't want to take the shit anymore. I don't like being the little brother, right? So whatever I have to do to make sure that this guy gets what's coming to him, I'm going to do it, right? Mm -hmm. You can understand why he's doing that, you know? And is it the best way to describe it? Maybe not. Maybe there was a better way to show it or something like that. But at the end of the day, I can understand what motivates and drives his decisions. And then they kill the guy, right? So now he's no longer a factor in the story. But then you look at someone like Captain Pride and he's like, I shall serve you as I served you in the old wars. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Like, who are you? Who are you? You just showed up here. Like, anyway, um... Yeah, so that that's the big thing. It's just motivation how many, for me anyway. How many times does the First Order or whatever they're called in uh, the original, what are they called? Uh, in the original trilogy, they'd be the Empire. Oh, yeah, the Empire, yeah. I don't know how many times, how many times they need to fucking learn their lesson of putting all their eggs in one fucking basket. Yeah, they're Holy always about fucking planet killers. Shit. They're just like, okay, we got it. we're going to do a Death Star. Okay, we're just going to do a Death Star again. Okay, no, no, no. This time, we're going to do a Death Star, but it's going to be a planet star. And it's like, we can't call it a planet star. And it's like, uh, star killer base. Okay. I like, who keeps this time, pitching a fucking Death Star? This every time, now time? we're going to have a trillion Death Stars. Yeah. But only one is really important. Yeah, we figured out. We figured out how to, uh, to, to miniaturize the technology and put it onto every Star Destroyer. By the way, who's paying for all these ships? Who's paying for this shit, right? It's not like the, the fucking Emperor is going to go to... Okay, but even the First Order, right? Even when the... Go back to fucking Episode 7, right? Where I don't know what Leia's resistance is resisting, right? Because they're backed by the New Republic, who is the power in the universe. They are the governing power of the universe, right? And they're backed by the Republic. So it's like, what are you resisting exactly? Like, you you guys, you're, you're basically... The, you should be the Republic Army, right? Yeah. And fucking uh, the First Order should be the equivalent of, like, Space ISIS, where it's, like, these terrorists on the <laughs> space fringes. ISIS. No, but for real. Like, you know, the, the, these terrorists on the fringes of space, you know, these old Imperial loyalists that none of them can be, you know, n- none of them can be wrangled together because everyone's vying for power because they're mm-hmm. all trying to, you know, uh, uh, act out the Emperor's will, but no one can agree on whatever that is. And then maybe you have, like, a Snoke character that brings everyone together under one banner and then they become a force to be reckoned with, right? They do something where maybe they blow up a planet or maybe they, you know, whatever. In that movie, they blow up five planets. And that's another thing that I, that's another problem I have with these movies where there's just like, okay, we're just going to do the same thing again, but we're going to do more of it, right? Instead of blowing up one planet, we're going to blow up five planets. Oh, okay. Instead of, you know, five ships, we're going to have 50 well, ships. I mean, what else can you do, really? Um, you can do something different. You can... Uh, for a long time. If you're talking about just like total annihilation, like, well, you're not going to drop an atom bomb. That that technology doesn't really exist. But you just blow up the planet. You got me? No, it's that easy. What I'm what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that the I mean, what I mean, whatever. The, no, because I'm curious, like, to see, like, oh, but but what can they really do? That's the equivalent of just blowing up a planet. Well, maybe they should just shouldn't go that route, right? Like, maybe maybe, look. Their goal, right, when in blowing up five planets was to basically show them that they're a force to be reckoned with, right? Like, we're not, you know, 
we we we're, we're you you have to listen to us now, right? And that's why they blow up. I think they blow up Coruscant, right? I think that's the planet they blow up. They don't even go into what planet they blow up in Episode Seven because they just blow up five of them. And by the way, I don't know what blowing up five planets means, right? Like it's just like, oh, we blew up five planets, so now we're in charge. Like how 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 do you get all the you know planets to agree to that? And it's like, okay, are we really sure that the government only existed on these five planets? Because if they only existed on those five planets, and that's really poor design right mm -hmm. where if you can just if you know exactly all the choke points that you can just get rid of them then well you know what maybe you guys did deserve to just com be completely wiped out because if you didn't learn from you know the mistakes of the last time then you know maybe you don't deserve to to actually run things but it just never made sense to me that all of their stuff is like clean and pristine and new and it's just like if anything, they should be the dirty rebels, right? Because they're not in control anymore. They should be using old tech because in the original trilogy, the rebels were using old tech. All this stuff was rusted and beat yeah. up. They had to scra scrape all this shit together. Whereas now the First Order, <coughs> who is paying for this? Who is paying for the development of TIE Fighters? Who is paying for the development of, of Starkiller Base? Like, where's all this fucking I mean, money coming from? They've talked about the strip minerals and all that. They really talked about that. I remember. Did they? Yeah, one I don't of the remember movies they hearing did. that at all. I do remember that they just like re they stripped planets of their minerals and all that and sold it. I they briefly mentioned it, and if I remember that, well, I guess I wasn't listening the seven times I saw the fucking first movie, but um, is it the first or second? But yeah, I know it's a lot of, like mineral stripping. Um, well then there you go, minerals. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it would have been more interesting if you just like the New Republic wasn't paying attention to the stuff that was going on the fr in the fringes of space. And, you know, they didn't learn their lesson from last time. And they're like, oh, they're not, you know, we don't have to worry about that. And then, you know, uh, fucking Kylo Ren assassinates the president of the universe or some shit, you know. And he's like, no, we're we're running shit now. You know, like we're we're doing this now. You know, I just I just don't just like something different, just something different. I just don't like the resistance. It's that simple. And they're fucking ass pulls and everything that keeps them alive. And there's no consequences. And it's all through the power. Of the yeah, death means nothing in this new movie. Because characters die all the time. And then it's just always a fake out. Like, it's oh, literally, it's always a fake out. Chewbacca, you know, it's like, oh, we thought we killed Chewie. And then, like, a minute later, it's like, oh, okay, no, Chewie's fine. Don't worry, it's like, guys. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, Ben's dead. Oh no, just kidding. He's fine. Oh, oh, Ray's dead. Oh no, no, just kidding. She's fine. Like, just kidding. She just made out with Princess Leia. Oh, that's another moment <laughs> that just feels totally out of left field. It's just like her and Kylo having this kiss. Yeah, what was that about? I, I didn't sense no like. Right. Right. Didn't sense nothing. I'm like, what? And then, ugh. Yeah. It fucking felt like something stri ripped straight out of Oblivion. Ugh. <laughs> so fucking prince. So what was it? Princess Leia making out with Ray? What? Because then Princess Leia's body just dissolves. Oh no, that's the thing you can do in the Force, where you become one with the Force, like in Episode Four. Oh, okay. Uh, when Ben's like, "Oh, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine." You know, he hits him, but right before he hits him, he becomes one with the Force, and his corporeal form fades away. You know, so that's that's what's happening. Right, is where. Where she can now be a force ghost, you know, because she's <laughs> she's one ghost. with the with the force. You know um, what? That movie could have had such a better ending because I felt like obviously Ray and Kylo Ren they both had the same storyline. They're working from two different places, either each having their internal struggle of where they come from, their perspective, backgrounds, and all that. You know, it'd be a fucking better story, a better ending. He comes back. 
He tries to give Ray life again. He fails, signifying he's a weaker Jedi than fucking Ray. I thought that's what they were going to go for, honestly. Like, I thought they and were going to have he the becomes, balls to do that. And then he becomes the face of the Resistance. And it's like, hey, guys, I know I was kind of an asshole, but I guess I'm the new guy. And then, bam, I would have taken that. I would have taken that. I thought that's what they, they were going to go for, right? Where she's Where he's trying to rescue her, and they're really drawing it out. I'm like, dude, tell me they'll kill Ray. And it's not that I hate her character or anything like that. I, I just have it's no just like, have That no would be interesting, right? Where it's like now he's sort of he has to carry on the legacy because it's the rise of Skywalker, right? And I really thought they were going to do the like a really dumb thing because the the Emperor is like, "You shall fall as I fell before," and then throws him in a pit. And I'm like, this is literally going to be the rise of Skywalker, where he's going to rise and fly out of that fucking <laughs> chamber and and do that. You know, because, I mean, this new trilogy, a big part of it has been Ben's redemption, right? Yeah. From, from killing his father in the first part to now, you know, joining the, the light side in, in this one. I really thought it was going to be about the rise of Skywalker back into the light where he's actually a Skywalker. He's actually a Skywalker, right? Not just, you know, choosing the name for himself. And it's like, okay, now I have to pick up the pieces of everything that's been left behind, right? And and carry on this legacy. No. No, it's just like, okay, no, I, I, I brought you back for a kiss. Now I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> now I'm going to get out of here. Yeah, I just, wanted, I just wanted to get in there, you know? I just wanted to slide right into those Force DMs or whatever the fuck. <laughs> it's just dumb. It's just dumb, right? And that's the thing is that, like, Star Wars on a larger scale has always been kind of dumb, right? Because it is a story about space wizards, right? Like, And, you know, Ryan Johnson goes out of his way to make fun of that in eight where where luke is like you really think uh, uh i'm just gonna show up with a laser sword and take down the whole first order like you know it's really and it, it is a goofy kind of idea the wookie doesn't wear pants like <laughs> anyway uh it is kind of a goofy idea so for you to have a really dumb movie in an already dumb premise is like wow like they're just no thought at all was was put into some of the shit that happens in this movie but again, look, just just to put a, a bow on it, right? I didn't dislike it, right? Like I really, I really didn't dislike you it. You said the best you could give it was but a C. I, I didn't like it either. Like it was just it's a C. It was just passable. It really felt generic. In a lot of okay. ways, it felt generic. It really felt like a homogenized I feel like the whole, this studio whole new trilogy, kind of thing. This whole trilogy was just generic. Yeah. It it just it felt like a you know, I'm, I'm just... You I'm know what this third movie was? This third movie was that kid that doesn't give a shit for the first six, seven, nine weeks of grading period. Oh, mister, what do I have a DRF in your class? And then you're nice enough to let him turn it work, and he gets like a C. And it's like, okay. Fuck off. That's no, what That's I, what the third know. movie was. I don't was. know if it's like that That's what all. episode nine was. I don't know. It feels more. It feels more like a... Like a like a C student, you know, like someone who uh, who who like plagiarized a bunch of his essays, but like changed the wording around so it wasn't like totally plagiarized. Like, it's oh no, I was talking about episode kind nine, the same thing, where it's just shit for like the first two thirds. Or maybe I guess, maybe that's maybe that's the way it is. I don't know. Because the plagiarism, yeah, you're absolutely right on that. <laughs> just ad libbing or doing a game of Mad Libs. I don't know. I don't know. Like like I already said, it's uh I didn't 
I didn't dislike it, but I didn't particularly like it either. Are you thinking you're gonna watch it one more time, or you saw it too, and that's it? Um, I think uh, when when the 4K Blu-ray set of all nine movies comes out, I do want to get that because I do want Star Wars in in Don't 4K. Don't you have the blue K Blu-ray? I only have 4K. Last Jedi in 4K. I oh. only because I you know I got a 4K TV recently because you know th- that camera shoots in 4K right so when I make this movie next year, you know if I can't even appreciate the actual detail then you know it's not it's not gonna look good, um, so you know at least that's how I justify getting a 4K TV to myself because really I wanted a 4K TV to play Death Stranding on <laughs> that's really why I wanted it, um, and that that was just the justification for it so when the Blu-rays come out you know I'll I'll get it and I'll probably go through a good chunk of the movies again. Like I'll probably watch a few scenes from this one in 4k. Cause there's some, you know, there's some good visuals and stuff like that. And, um, you know, but it's just, it's just weird because, you know, seven is like an unabashed retread of a new hope, but it's still like, I still had a, a, a level of optimism about it. Like where I was like, okay, they're really leaning into, you know, setting it up again in, in, you know, so that it's kind of like the same kind of, trajectory in terms mm-hmm. of the story but i really thought what they were setting up was ray you know ray is the typical light side user and then kylo is the the bad the the, the dark side and then but they're both conflicted right because ray can hear snoke and the way ray's fighting at the end of the movie she's very aggressive like you could tell that she was out for blood she wanted to kill this guy right yeah. and i really thought what they were going to do is that they were going to have the balls to swap these two around where Kylo was going to go to the light and Ray was going to go to the dark, right? That was, I thought that's what episode eight was going to be. And then episode nine was going to be about the two of them realizing that true balance, which is what the whole series has been, you know, the, the, the prophecy of that, the one who will bring balance to the force. The true balance is about finding a middle ground between light and dark, right? So that they would come together and defeat whoever the big evil was in the ninth episode. That would have made the most sense to me, right? Mm-hmm. Because the original trilogy is about light overcoming dark. The prequel trilogy is about, you know, light being corrupted by dark. So then it would make sense for the third trilogy to be about the balance of the two, right? But apparently a, a Grey Jedi is not actually canon, right? And I actually, there was an actor, um, one of the actors, like, went on this, like, tirade. I mean, it was, like, three or four minutes long. And it was funny, you know, because he's, like, you know, dropping F-bombs the whole time. But it's just like, also, it doesn't seem like the right way you should probably be representing your employer. But, you know, he goes out of his way to be like, Great Jedi, that's like video game shit. You know, that's not how, you know, George wanted it. And it's like, maybe that's not how George wanted it. But, like, if you ask me, right, and you're talking about how these movies are preachy. If you ask me right now, the message children need is not, okay, there's one good side. No, man. There, if you if you ask me, fucking the world is a complicated place. There are good things about people and there are bad things. There are bad things about good people and there are good, good things, things about, about bad, bad people. people. You know, if you really want true balance, it's about understanding that like there are different shades. There is a spectrum here of what defines a good act and what defines a bad act. You know, that's an interesting, complex idea, right? And it totally makes sense in terms of the actual structure of how all three, all nine of these movies now are, or at least how all nine of these movies could have been, mm-hmm. you know, but they didn't go that route because that's, you know, that's not a, that's not a very sexy idea, I guess. Right. It's not, it's not an idea that that's easy to sell toys with, yeah. you know? So whatever, you know, that's how, I guess, I guess that's how I would have done it. And I'm not disappointed that that's not what they did. 
I'm just disappointed that it's not, you know, that this is what we got. You know, like we're just we got these like really generic homogenized sort of, you know, studio movies. And I guess, you know, that's what we should have expected. Right. Because they sold it to the company that made Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and the Lion King twice. Yep. I mean. No. Yeah. Isn't the oh and Mulan now. That was another one too, where where uh, you know Torres was sitting next to me. He's like, "Where's Mushu?" And I'm like, "Yeah, dude. There's no songs in this movie. They got rid of like the male love interest. The uh, the you know they're trying to make it realistic, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you want it to be realistic, but all of these Chinese people in fucking you know whatever era China are all speaking English. Mm-hmm. Are you are you fucking stupid? Are you stupid? <laughs> That's one thing I can't. I don't I don't care if it's like a filmmaker detail or any of that shit." When you're in a foreign country and all these people are, are you know, are, are citizens of that country, were raised in that country, and they're speaking English, I can't stand that shit. Really? I really can't stand it. It just takes me out of it because it's like this isn't, this, isn't, this isn't France. You know, this isn't Germany. They're all speaking English, right? Unless it's played for laughs. There's a movie called The Death of Stalin, right? Which is you oh, know, about the death that. of Stalin, right? But it's like this absurdist comedy, and Steve Buscemi's in it, and um, um, the guy from Awake is in it. And like it's hilarious, but they're all talking in English, right? Because it it fits into that absurdist mold of what they're actually talking about and the things that go on in that movie. Whereas if I was actually watching a movie about the death of Stalin, right? Like, um, Chernobyl, that show, the the mm-hmm. Chern- okay, yeah. so a good majority of that show is is in is in uh, English, right? Because it is an American production made yeah. for HBO, right? But you know, if you don't know what Chernobyl is. Chernobyl was the was the plant in Ukraine. it was in Russia right it was, or it was in Ukraine yeah, rather in Ukraine but the point is that they speak Russian over there right yeah okay just Ukrainian just a, but the same thing essentially okay fine they speak a foreign language over there right yes. I don't understand what it is about that show where it just picks and chooses when it's going to be English and when it's going to be Ukrainian like it's just it's like random it just sort of flows between English and Ukrainian just like at whim you know and it's just like okay are you gonna pick one because it's like this scene's in ukraine and these next three scenes are in english and it's like what where are we (laughs) it's just totally disorienting to me as as someone you know trying to get into these stories but um anyway where did that come from because we were talking i because i brought up mulan because you're ranting about um this is the same company that just shits out everything. Yeah, they just yeah. open up the vault, grab whatever they can. Okay, let's remake this. Favorite, your arm there is kind of blocking the camera. Oh, yeah. shit. My oh, bad. No, don't worry about it. Um, um, So, that's what peeved you off this weekend. No. Well, that's the thing, right? <coughs> what I said at the beginning, that's like 20% of what peeved me so off. So, what's right? the other 80%? Well, okay. So, to get ba- all the way back to that from, I don't know, 45 minutes ago or however long we've been recording... <laughs> Um, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the process of writing the script for the movie I want to make next year. Mm -hmm. And you're worried about like the emotional resonance. Is it going to be a hit? Is it going to be a flop? Well, hit or flop is, is tough to say because there's so many, there's so much shit out there. But are you going to be, is it going to be work that you're proud of when you release it? Is it? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to consider, especially that you're banking so much on it. Because, you know, it the way I have it structured, right, the first 40, 40 pages of it, right, mm-hmm. are, are, are about developing the relationship between these two characters 
And it's just the way you're talking about how, like, you know, a, a boring two thirds doesn't, you know, justify, you know, a, a great, you know, third. Right. Mm hmm. The part of the movie that's really exciting to me and the part of the movie that feels like a movie to me is the second half of it, right? But the second half doesn't really work without that first half, right? So okay. I'm I'm just kind of concerned that and again, I won't really know this until I put the movie in front of an audience, which yeah. is a scary proposition to spend all this money and all this time and all this effort to develop something that once you get in front of an audience, you might find out, oh shit, none of this works, right? Yeah. And now you're stuck with this, you know, 80, you know, 90 minute, well, stinker because you don't there's no you know there's no way to fix it without basically making another movie yeah. entirely uh but again that's part of the risk that you also take with it right that's why it's important to make sure that the script is very very strong um but that's something that's concerning me right because i want to make like i want to make something that's true emotionally to what i went through and what i'm trying to say about relationships and what i'm trying to say about about self-love and and you know and all of that stuff but then at the same time it's a movie. It's supposed to be entertaining, right? Yeah. At, at, the, at, at the base level, right? This isn't a sermon. I'm not preaching to people. Like, you're giving me money because you want to go we, somewhere else for two hours, yes. right? So I have to make it engaging enough where it's like, okay, I want to see these characters interact. I want to see what they're going to get up to. I want to see the adventure they're going to go on. Mm -hmm. And it's just about making sure that 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 that's done well, I guess, right? And yeah. and that's that's the only thing that you can know that you do well if you've done it enough times, right? And something I noticed about the last script I wrote was a script about Cuba. Um, is that with that script, I can totally tell. Like I, I can really feel it, you know, where it's like I understand who all of these characters are, I understand why they're doing what they're doing, and I can see it in the text why they're doing what they're doing, what makes them interesting, what makes them dimensional. You know, I, I, there's, there's the cool moments and the exciting moments, but then there's the quieter emotional moments and there's the interpersonal relationships between all the characters and the dynamics between, you know, the, the, the father figure and the daughter and the, you know, the boy who's like dating the daughter and the, the fight between those two. And, you know, I can see it there. Right. But that's also an $80 million movie, right? Yeah. Because there's a huge, you know, car chase with, you know, uh, Uzis and AKs basically driving down a you know you don't have street. that you don't have that funny money to play around exactly with. right I don't I don't have Quentin Tarantino movie to make that movie right I can only pray that if I do get to a place in my career where they're like you can make anything you want that I get to make that movie and I get to make it in Spanish because if they have to speak English in that movie I'm gonna fucking shoot myself because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that's not the fucking link whatever yeah. Uh, Anyway, so I can feel it in that story, right? So I know what it's what it's like to feel when I, I feel confident about a piece of work, right? So to contrast that with this, where I'm like, I don't know if anyone's going to like latch on to these people, right? Like I can latch on to them because I, you I care understand them emotionally. Yes. Right. You understand the whole But I don't know if anyone doing. else is going to give much of a shit. And it's about trying to figure out the the perfect balance between you know a movie's kind of movie and like trying to say something emotional and artistic right um you know if i'm gonna make a lovers on the run movie right mm -hmm. which is the movie i want to make that's the that's the genre i'm trying to make something in yeah you know yes there are things i want to say emotionally about what's going on here and sort of the nature of relationships and the nature of love and sort of the idealistic version of love versus what it actually is and those are important, right? Those are the core emotional parts of the movie. But I also want it to work. You know, I also want it to be entertaining like True Romance or, or The Getaway or, or any other kind of, of Lovers on the Run type movie, you know? 
And it's really about finding the balance between making an entertaining piece of, of, of art, right? And how much money I have access to. Because it could be very easy for me to make a Lovers on the Run movie about, you know, bank robbers, right? Yeah. Like, but I don't have access to banks. You know, I don't have access to, you know, dozens of extras that can be on the floor of a bank while a bank robbery is going down. You know, yeah. I've got a few houses, a car, and like, you know, maybe some locations I can, you know, be like, oh, I'll, I'll bust your tables for, you know, two weeks if you let me shoot here for two days. You know, uh -huh. like that kind of thing. Like, and that's even a stretch, right? Because who knows if they'll even agree to that, right? Exactly. Or you just give them money. So you it's try a, to give them as much money as you can. Yeah, but what, what? Okay, so it's like, okay, how much? Um, how much does your business make in a in a six to eight hour period? Right. Exactly. Okay, is then it worth it? You know. Is it um? Because that's basically my whole budget. The actors, food, all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. It's about it's about trying to make something as entertaining as possible with the resources I have on hand. You know, and the movie I have written, or at least I'm I'm almost you know I'm I'm about sixty percent of the way through writing right now. Yeah, I have all those resources on hand. I just don't know if anyone's going to give a shit, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's a scary thing. Just like with any artist putting it into the world and seeing what they say. No, I know. And and, and here's the thing, right? Is that I'm not, I know for, I know in my heart, I'm not approaching it from the perspective of I want to be popular and I want people to like me and I want the validation of people liking it because that's not, that's not what I'm going for anymore. There was a point in, in, in time when I was making this stuff that that's what I gave a shit about, right? Really? And yes, that, that really colored the work, you know? Which work specifically? Because I'm from, super from, curious. From the, first, from the first short film, from the very first one. Really? Yeah, because part of it was like, okay, I, I, don't, I don't watch short films in my free time, right? Like those, That's not a medium that I, I, I'm particularly interested in or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I like to watch movies, right? Where I like to watch you know, an hour and a half or a two hour journey of this character going to different places and meeting different people and doing different things. And, you know, like when I think of like a, a like a, like a movie, right. I think of something like, uh, I don't know. The first thing that comes to my head is blue velvet, but that's not the kind of movie I want to make. Right. But what, what sticks out to me about blue velvet is that I could feel who those characters were and I could feel that I was being taken to a different place. Right. But if you look at any movie, if you look at like Jurassic park or star Wars or any of that, you, there's just, you're going on a journey with these people, you know, but there is something, there's a core, there's a core idea about what it means to be human at the core of any of those stories, right? You look at Jurassic Park. Yes, Jurassic Park is a movie about a dinosaur park going amok, right? But it's not really about that. It's a story about uh, a guy who learns to, to, to want to be a father, right? At the beginning of that movie, Alan Grant is like, oh, kids, they're, 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 yuck, they're, they're messy. They smell, you know, and by the end of it, He's got both. He's got you know Sam and and, and no, not uh, no what what was the kid's name, Lex and Tim. He's got Lex and Tim basically sleeping on him, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like you know he he's he's ready and willing to be a father now, you know. So emotionally, that's what that story is about. It's about you know the 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 archaeologist who's now out of a job because now there's dinosaurs here. So it's like okay, we have to take who we were and sort of you know change into something else to adapt to you know mm -hmm. the new environment. the new environment exactly. Um, I lost, I lost my point with that. Okay. So I don't really get that from short films, right? Cause short films, you really only get one or two scenes, you know, max that you can really work with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my short films were, were trying to make, you know, two hour type movies into 10 hour or, or 10 minute or eight minute kind of slots. And it just, there it wasn't, work that way. it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Right. I wasn't making it for that that medium, but then another part of it, and especially with the podcast, right? And I went into this with one of the videos that I made was that 
I'm, I was trying to build an audience to make a movie that I actually wanted to make. Yeah. Right? I looked at these things as like the stepping stones to get to what I actually wanted, wanted to do. Right. And that's not how you can approach this stuff because first off, there's no guarantee of success. In fact, the chances of success are so minuscule that to even, I mean, to depend on that at all for validation or anything like that is setting yourself up for failure. Right. Because here's the thing, right? Um, I like to watch movies in the theater, right? Uh-huh. That's an important experience for me. It's the closest thing I have to a church, right? Mm-hmm. Where the power of cinema, even scenes that are not supposed to be emotional or sad or anything like that can bring me to tears, right? Like I remember sitting in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and when that music oh swells up for God. the first time, I teared up because I was like, oh, my God, right? Like this this is like an experience I'm having right now where I'm connecting with this film. Um and I can even have that to some extent with a nice display and a nice TV that's calibrated the right way and a good sound system and all that where it's just like you're invested and enveloped in the movie. That's not how most people watch movies. Uh, most people watch movies on their phones, right? And it's just a sad fact, right? Do they? Yes. I, I, talked, I was talking to an old friend of mine, an old film friend of mine, and I asked him what he thought of The Irishman. And I was like, oh, dude, I was watching it. You know, I watched it in 4K, and I was like telling him about like the photography and just, you know, I was telling him about how the um, Robert De Niro's eyes, they're, they're done with CG in this movie, and it was really distracting to me. He's like, oh, well, I guess I didn't notice because I watched it on my phone. And I'm like, you watched The Irishman, like this, 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 this mobster epic, right, on a phone that's, that's this big, like on a screen that big? You can't appreciate the photography there. Like it's just – it's tiny, right? There's yeah. so many details you're losing, you know? Um, but that's just how most people – watch stuff right and I, I i specifically remember uh being at like a christmas party or something like that and my mom was showing someone else at the party a film i had made but she was showing it on on her phone, phone right well because I mean, how it's it, I, I get what you're trying to say honestly because you're like you're not getting the full experience of what you're trying to say yeah. when you compress it just on a phone but also just what are you going to do in that situation? What are you going to do? Most, right. Exactly. So you're not going to have a copy of DVDs with you at all times. No, I, th- that's the thing, right? Is that I can't, I can, I can try to design these, these uh, situations or, or these projects rather for exactly the way I would want them to be seen. But at the end of the day, that, that denies how most people actually engage with this content now. And that's another thing that, you know, how do most people watch content now? Right. No, most people are not trailing YouTube for short films, right? Like, they usually put on Netflix or Hulu basically to drown out the silence, right? Where they're folding laundry or they're cooking something or they put it on in the background while they're scrolling on their phone. They're not actually engaging with the content, right? So that's another thing you have to consider. Whereas who is this movie for? And by the way, how are people going to find it, right? If my goal was to make an audience so that I could actually make this stuff, how? what was I doing to actually ensure that the people I'm trying to reach were going to find it, Right. That was something I wasn't even considering. And I've gotten to a point and I and I have to thank I have to thank my ex-girlfriend for this because she was the person who made me see this. She this is the only time this has ever happened where I gave her a script uh-huh. and it was a script for the last short film I did was the the one about the robots. Okay. Um I handed her the script and I want I really wanted her opinion on it. And I told her to, you know, to just give me the honest, honest feedback, right? And she did. She was like, I didn't I didn't feel the humanity here. Like, I, it didn't feel like there was any, you know, emotion here, right? And I was really trying to make an emotional story about a, a, a robot who learns to develop emotion, right? That was the whole idea of the story. 
And it just it broke me. Like I started crying. And that's never happened to me before. Really? I've had I've had people tear my scripts to pieces. I've had people, you know, say this or that. And even good shit, right? Like I had someone tell me once that a script that I had written that they read brought them to tears, right? Like I mean, it, like the emotion worked, right? And here's something I've I've also noticed. It's that when I have the the length or or, or the 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 space rather of a feature film where I can write something in, you know, 90 to 120 pages, I can get an emotional reaction out of people, right? Because I I can I can at least lay the groundwork for a moment that actually, you know, where it it hits you, you mm-hmm. know. That first Cuba script is the script I'm talking about where someone actually was brought to tears by the end of it, you know, and not because it was bad, right? Because exactly what I tried to do worked. And that was so satisfying, you know, or 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 writing a, you know, another script and like seeing people actually laugh while reading it, you know, like in the part that they're supposed to laugh, you know. Mm-hmm. That's such a satisfying feeling. And even when I get constructive criticism of like, I don't know who this guy is, or I don't know if this works, or this line's kind of sucks, or this this whole scene is just, you know, doesn't belong here. I'm like, okay, okay, all right. So I, I know what to work with. And, you know, if multiple people are saying the same things, okay, maybe that's something we should work on, you know. But if 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 you know why you want something there and that's why it's there, and even if people are like, hey, you know, I don't know if this works here but you're confident in it. Okay. I'm going to leave this here because I know why this is here. And I believe in this scene, you know, mm-hmm. but with that one, and I don't know, I don't know if I just had something else emotionally wrapped up in what she was saying or something. Cause I feel like I didn't, I feel like I wasn't looking at her as my girlfriend. I was looking at her as just someone engaged, trying to engage with the story. It really broke me. And it took, I mean, it took like a year and a half really of just like, really thinking about why I'm doing this and the point of doing all this and, and just really trying to understand the motivation, my motivation behind what it is I'm doing with making films and what I'm trying to say and, and what am I trying to accomplish with this, you know, developing a bunch of different ideas that, you know, ended up going nowhere, but really put me on a, on, on a path where I understood, you know, why people go to movies and it's because they're they're basically paying to feel things right mm-hmm. life life can be so exhausting sometimes that you just turn you're off just your numb. emotions you're, you're numb, numb to, to shit you know you go to work and it's just bullshit day after day and you just you have to turn off your feelings because if, if you, not you'll drive you go you'll drive yourself insane you'll go insane right so many people just feel so numb to so many things. That's why people are willing to pay $15 to go see a movie in the theater because they want to feel excitement. They want to feel joy. They want to feel sadness. They want to feel laughter. They want to feel frightened, right? They want to feel things, you know, because life is structured in such a way that you're not really, you know, you can't feel things, you know, or if you did feel things, like you said, you would go crazy. And that's, you know, I guess that's the price of being the filmmaker is that like I'm, I'm like, hyper aware of my feelings to the point where I feel them very, very intensely. That was mm-hmm. another thing that, that I guess I'll get to, right? Some, uh, a, a Tinder faux pas, right? That just okay. like really just, you know, and, and the fact that it hit me so hard kind of embarrasses me, but like, again, trying to be in touch with my feelings and uh-huh. trying to find a way to code those feelings into text and then further code them into images that people are supposed to consume. Right. Means that I have to be super in touch with my feelings, you know, but over the course of that year and a half developing the stories that I did, I was able to find, you know, that that core of why these people engage with these stories and then engage with those stories in that same way while I'm developing them, you know, understanding what 
what the emotion of any scene is. Dude, I started crying in a Starbucks writing that second Cuba script. I mean, literally in tears, typing in Starbucks, right? Like people staring at me, you know, oh fucking snot pouring out of my nose. And it's like, well, you know what? I, I get it, right? I totally I, yeah. I totally get that this is a fucking weird thing to look at right now, but this is the greatest thing I've ever written in my life, and I don't give a fuck about any of you, you know? Uh-huh. You're going to see it in 10 years when I actually get to make it, you know, that this this was all worth it, you know? Um. So, yeah, you know, and that's that's what I'm talking about, where it's just like I know what it's like when I really connect with it, and I feel that, like, I know people are going to connect. And it's not perfect, right? Like, mm-hmm. it is the best thing I've ever written, but it's not perfect. It still needs work, you know. Um, but I know now why. Why, right? Why I make these things. And this script that I'm working on right now is the first idea that I've ever had where it wasn't about building an audience and it wasn't about, like, a stepping stone to a next thing or anything like that. It's the first time that an idea spoke to me on such a deep level that I felt a personal responsibility to make it like the problem that I had in that relationship and, and trying to find a way to code that into the story, because that problem, I know that other people have it, right? I know, I know deep down that so many people struggle with that that sense of 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 validation of needing to find that and trying to find that in other people and and the concessions and the and the betrayals to your own values that come with with chasing validation right Mm -hmm. and just trying to develop the skill of of validating yourself you know of, of 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 being able to just tell yourself that it's okay you know without having to depend on someone else telling you that right so there's so many people that struggle with that. And there was a conversation I had with a close friend of mine that I won't I won't mention here. But the point is, is that when I had that conversation, I was in the process of trying to figure out what this story was. And when I had that conversation with her and I saw that she was going through exactly the same thing I was going through and she just did not have the tools to figure out what was wrong, mm-hmm. right? She just, she couldn't figure out what was wrong, Right. That's when I knew I, I was like, okay, there clearly, clearly this is a widespread issue, right? And clearly, you know, a lot of people don't know that they're much stronger than they give themselves credit for, you know. And I wanted to make a story that, you know, spoke to those people that showed them that they didn't have to live like this, you know, that they, that they have a choice, you know. And um, anyway. That, that's what I'm trying to get to with this story, you know, but the important thing, right, that's the core of it is showing you that you have a choice and you don't have to put up with these things, you know, and, and you know, life is so much more rich when you when you willingly take on the the responsibility of of, of living it, you know, without without trying without, you know, being dependent on, on the validation of, of someone else to validate your own existence, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's that's the core of it. But there has to be a movie that's fun to watch on top of that. And that's that's the struggle right now is really trying to make sure you have your story ready. But both... you just don't know if it's ready for the world or if the world would be ready. Yeah, to accept it. Exactly. That's 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 almost exactly it. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm writing it right now and I'm not I'm not totally like oh, pulling my hair out about it because it's the first draft. You know, I've I've written plenty of things where the difference between the first draft and the draft that I and I'm actually like, okay, this is it, are 
I mean, sometimes it's like 85, 90% different, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the core idea is the same. Maybe the premise is the same, but the actual events that take place and the order in which they take place and the way characters interact with each other, that always changes, right? Characters get deleted, scenes get deleted, entire plot lines change. You know, with my pilot, I wrote nine different versions of that pilot, right? And the core premise was always the same. It was always about that girl and the high school newspaper. Mm -hmm. It was always about that. But there were nine different ways in which I could actually tell that story. And then, you know, once I got to version nine, I was like, okay, I think this is the one, you know? And Cuba was the same thing where it was like, it was always about a guy finding his long lost daughter, right? But there were like three different versions of that story before I even got to the script, right? Mm -hmm. There were three entirely different versions of that outline before I got to the script. And ever still, even though I know that this is what the story is now, there are still changes that need to be made to it. You know, it's a living document. And I'm not I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is is going forward with an idea that, you know, is not, you know, the the emotion, the emotional aspect of the story is very, very strong. Right. That that I, I can feel. Right. But the actual entertainment value of this of the story yeah, no, is, yeah. is very, very weak right now. You know, and it's about making sure that they're on the same the same level. Um, I mean, it depends. I mean, can you think of any movie right now that you could like compare it to? In terms of like the entertainment value isn't there, but the or the entertainment may be driven just watching the character development. Um, a movie that fits that that fits that, yeah. There has to be movies. I mean, I'm not. I mean, what well, about? Here's, here's the thing, right? It's also it's it's the entertainment value, and the emotional value. Or the entertainment value is directly linked to what just watching the character girls well there's no crazy car scenes there's nothing no explosions nothing like that there's no sure okay there are, movie, there are movies like that where it's like sort of two people in like one location but the problem with those movies at least for me is that that those don't typically feel cinematic to me those feel very much like theater with a camera you know which is sort of two or three people in one location and they're just there for the whole movie because another third element that i didn't mention is that because of where I'm at in terms of available resources, it has to be an entertaining Lovers on the Run movie. It has to be a very strong emotion. It has to deliver an emotional message, right? That's very mm -hmm. clear and very concise. But then it also has to exist within my level of available resources, right? But then it also, and this is a fourth one that, you know, I didn't, again, I didn't <laughs> mention. I also have to like the movie. Yeah. Like, I also have to want to watch the movie. I'm not going to make a movie that I don't, I wouldn't, that if you I wouldn't didn't put see out. a trailer for it. When I think of the type of movie I want to make, I'm imagining if I saw the trailer for this movie, I would want to go watch that, where the idea was strong enough that I would want to go watch that. And if I watched that, what would I want out of that story? You know. And again, like I said, emotional is strong. Entertainment value, I'm working on that. But then entertainment value is directly linked to production value, right? where I have a, very, I have a, a number that you know, can't go above that number. Mm -hmm. And then I have to be... This part where it's, I have to be okay with the other three pillars, right? I have to be okay with the structural integrity. It's a balancing integrity. act. It's a balancing act. And yeah. you can't really waste too much time with it. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, you just added so much stress. Yeah, just hearing it just made me stress. But that is that is the that is the trial of that's being a filmmaker, right? That, that's, Holy smokes. That's, that's, a, that's what it's like to be where I'm at trying to figure out what it is I want to do. I mean, it's a classic conundrum between like the artist trying to express himself and like the limitations placed on them. But that is insane. Just the amount of stress of trying to express yourself with the resources you have, trying to make it happy and finding that balance between making it entertaining for other people and making it right. what you want to be. Right. Right. Jesus exactly. Christ, dude. So you just made this job a lot more stressful. 
<laughs> I mean, but that's I'm I'm perfectly I'm perfectly willing to adopt the responsibility of figuring that out, right? Because that it's so satisfying when you do, right? There are there are a few there are a few moments in the in the films that I've worked on, um, but I mean they're they're very strong where where you see the thing that you saw in your head all of a sudden exists outside of you. Mm -hmm. And what's even more incredible is when not only did you manage to make a a picture in your head exist in the real world, you made something from nothing, right? But all of a sudden, when you see people laugh at the right moment or you see people cry at the right moment, it's like, oh, shit. You know, like like we're connecting. I don't even have... I'm not even talking to you directly and we are connecting, you know? And that... That emotionally is is just Sergio it's better than sex. Sotolongo, the hero we need, but not the one we deserve. Trying to find the balance between making himself happy and the rest of us happy. Yeah, let's let's not start sucking each other's dicks yet. I haven't even finished the movie, but um, yeah, man. Because really, the resources I have available dictate if I really wanted to be cost efficient, that the movie needs to be in one location. But like I don't I don't want to do that no. right because that's no, not, no, that's no. not interesting to that. me right you can't do that again so no, the, no 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 the no, only no, no, no. the only way I can like really try to put this together is like if like about a third of the movie takes place in one location right that that's as much as I myself as someone who enjoys movies am willing to let myself get away with right so it's like okay how do I make that work in this you know few thousand dollar box right of trying to have different actors in different places and you know make it dynamic and then also make it interesting. Because it's like it's kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde true romance type st uh, style type story, but how am I supposed to do that without you know like tons of police shootouts? And how am I supposed to do that without car chases? And you know like Again, it's, I mean, it's a it's delicate possible. balancing act. It's possible, but yeah, that's very. There's a lot less leeway you have to, with right when you don't have freaking explosions and all that. Right, you have to find a way to make dialogue interesting, and the only way you can do that is if you understand who those people are. If you can see them as as three dimensional people, right? Like understanding what, what would be motivates a, them. What would be a movie that would come first to mind that's like that? Because I kind of think there will be blood. There's not much action in it until like the last act, really. Sure, a lot of that story is about character dynamics. Um, you know, that is one of those that I mean, I've I've seen it a couple of times, but you know, it's 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 an enrapturing movie because you you understand why this not necessarily how do i put this i never really had to talk about there will be blood in this context but you know this guy just really wants this thing you know like he's he's willing to do literally anything to get yes, it right he gives away his son to the exactly to the point where he gives away his son in 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 search of this idea you know um but I mean, I guess that's what makes it engaging because it's like it's not something most people would do. Right. But it is something it is something that is within all of us. Right. Like there is if we were willing to to indulge those sides of ourselves, this is where it might take us. Right. And that's that's why a lot of stories are or at least the stories that that stick around are that's 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 what makes them relevant is that they all show us sides of of humanity you know the sides of ourselves that we may or may not you know want to believe are there but they're there you know and i'm i'm just i'm trying to think of like sort of a lo-fi kind of story like that um 
well, I guess, you know what? Tarantino movies, to some extent, right? Yeah. They're very dialogue-driven, and they do have, you know, bombastic action and lots of violence, right? But if you look at, I would say the two most dialogue-driven Tarantino movies are Reservoir Dogs and um, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. And specifically Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because that movie does not have the typical Tarantino-style action to depend on until the very, very end of the movie, you mm-hmm. know? the the pretty much the first two hours or two and a half hours of that movie are pretty much all talking right but it's engaging because you understand what motivates rick dalton as a character right he's he's a guy who's you know at one point or another his career was you know going off and you know taking off and you know he was uh he was a star and you know bounty law and you know people you know people love this guy but he started doing all these like guest spots where basically any swinging dick on the network, right, could mm-hmm. just beat the shit out of him, playing the heavy, playing the villain in all these shows. And yeah. it sort of eroded his value as a leading man. And because of that, he wasn't getting the roles he wanted. He wasn't getting uh, he wasn't feeling fulfilled with his with, with his career choices, you know. So it's a story about this guy who's, you know, it, caught in the middle of this transition between old Hollywood and new Hollywood and just trying to find his place in all that. You know, and you can understand him and you can understand his relationship with his stunt double who's like, you know, just trying to be a good, good friend and always there for him. And like, you know, really cares about him and really cares about making sure that, that, you know, he feels good with what he's doing, you know, and they're looking out for each other. But you understand the dynamic there just from the way they engage with each other. Right. They'll watch Rick's guest spot on FBI, you know, or, you know, uh. Uh, uh, um, what's his name? Cliff. Cliff will. Dr- I mean, drives him around everywhere because Rick, you know, got too many drunk driving tickets and got mm-hmm. his license suspended. Right? That's not something you do for anybody, right? But you understand. So, how do I how do I put this? Uh, it's clearly evident in the way these people act, what drives them, what motivates them, and why you should give a shit about them. Mm-hmm. And the dialogue is well written enough that you want to see these people keep talking because it's funny, it's endearing, and it lets us know who these people are. Um, so it's about doing that, right? You got to find a way to do that. And that shit ain't easy. You know? No, I could imagine. That shit is not easy Like I all. said, just hearing you talk about it is just it's a ball of stress. And that's a ball of stress. And, I, hey, I let you run with it, man. That was what you had to explain. That all, it was all yours idea and all that. I had to let you run with it. And yeah, man, that's a ball of stress. I'm glad you were able to thoroughly describe the predicament you're in, the struggles like you face when it comes to like doing what you want to do but and feeling now, fulfillment. Now the the struggle, because you know what, I could tell you exactly what I'm going through, right? Mm-hmm. But this isn't therapy, right? No, it's supposed to be no, a movie. It, so I have to find a way to explain what I just explained to you. I mean, not necessarily that specifically, but the emotional thing I'm going through. I have to find a way to explain that through what these people are doing, deciding to go and break into people's houses and deciding to go and, you know, get involved with these kinds of shady type of characters and, you know, deciding to do this and that and making sure that everyone understands exactly what it is I'm trying to say by these people doing these things. And, you know, it's tough because a lot of people don't get it. There's a lot of times when I'm watching a movie and I don't get shit, you know. I have to watch a movie two or three times before I can really understand exactly what motivates everybody and why they're doing what they're doing mm-hmm. and what you know that's good um but you took it and ran with it man i had to let you do it that's your story to tell and all that i think you went on what uh 
30, 45 minute tangent with that I one? Don't e- I don't even know where we're at. I can't. I have <laughs> you have to check that because. We're at, we're at an hour and 27 minutes. Right hour now. and 27? Oh, yeah. that's probably too bad. I guess we'll finish up with the with the weekend wrap up. What are you most excited for? What am I most excited for? What are you most excited for now? Let's, let's end it on a positive note. We got Noche Buena. We got Christmas coming in. You know, it really doesn't even feel like Christmas to me. Re- you know what's crazy? I felt that way until yesterday. Until when yesterday. I walked through that door after watching a hockey game with friends and just going out, having a, having a drink, eating some chicken wings. And then I came home. And everything's all quiet. All the presents are wrapped and all that. And it's just that feeling. It's just like there's like sweetness in the air. Like an aroma. There's the aroma of the Christmas tree. Someone's baking cookies. Um, there's just it's just an aesthetic. It's just like I'm like oh now it's Christmas time because maybe now that works officially. Don't have to worry about that or nothing like that. Everything's mm-hmm. put it behind. All my uh, Christmas shopping is done for is done for for the most part. I did, did feel it did feel like Christmas. I I was wondering. Cause I'm a big Christmas guy. I'm second that shit hits December first. Christmas music all day, every day, baby. That's me. I'm gonna freaking take. Let me ask you this before I keep describing, so I can tell you like if you're right or wrong. What's the best Christmas song of all time? Your top three. Um. Aww. Well, I really, I really like uh, Paul McCartney's uh, "Wonderful yes. Christmas Time." Yes, I think that's a top okay. Three that's one. in there. Um. I can never remember what it's called, but the the song from the opening of Gremlins, where it's like Christmas, snow's coming down, Christmas. Christmas. That one's pretty good. Um, that, one, that, one, that one I really enjoy, because um, really for me, it it's not um, when I when I watch Gremlins, it's it's Christmas, it, it's finally Christmas, you know, and I usually only watch it on Christmas Eve. Uh, really? Why don't you watch it now? Well, I'm, I I I mean I don't know, I don't know. I just. That's just the the ritual I've gotten myself into, I guess. Not your way, no. But I mean, at the same time, we're also getting older, and Christmas just means different, Things. something different to us now. You know, being being a little bit older, and you it's know. just now we're worried about different stuff about getting gifts for everyone. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 certainly an aspect of it. But I don't know. At Christmas, to me, there's a certain family dynamic that I feel has to come with Christmas. Of course. That I just I'm not feeling at the moment. You oh, know? and and I think that's that's ultimately because the only time I can really feel like I guess the Christmas spirit, if that's if that's what it was, uh, is is when I'm with my sister. You know, I guess I'm I'm feeling it vicariously through her. <coughs> um, you know, because she's eight, right? So I mean, she's she she totally gets it from a different. Yeah, she's aspect, excited. Right? She's all bright-eyed, rosy cheeks. Yeah, you know, the whole the whole future is in front of her, and there's no there's no reason for her to to feel bad about any of that, right? But then, you know, I hear stories about like, you know, she has a friend in school who's like, "Oh, you're fat," you know, and this girl's like this big, right? Like she's not she's not overweight by any stretch, right? Mm-hmm. But then that's making her feel bad, right? Because her friend's telling her that she's fat and all this, and it's just about trying to, you know. It's like I I'm I'm worrying about the the world corrupting her right and I'm not even her dad you know you're like, worried about yeah uh because I see that 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 
brightness and that optimism in her. And then you see like moments where like it fades away. Right. Just from like some bullshit. And it's just like it's so precious and it's just that's so important to hang on to. And you're always in a rush to grow up. And you never know how important those feelings are, those untarnished feelings are until they're long gone, until they're until you're many, many, many years removed from them. You know, and that's why it's important to always just live in whatever moment you're in, you know, to really enjoy whatever, whatever feelings Christmas brings to you or whatever feelings any other day of the month or the year brings you. It's important to really Mm -hmm. feel those feelings because you're not going to understand how important those feelings were until, you know, they're long gone, you know, and that's. (laughs) Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You know, Merry I only Christmas. You, I only give you two Christmas and happy songs. holidays. Bro, I think the NSYNC version's the best, honestly. The NSYNC version? Yeah, the NSYNC version of Merry Christmas or whatever it's called? Yep, easily. Oh, boy. I, I, yeah, heck yeah. I don't know what it is with that version. It's so simple, but it's so catchy. And we switch in a good mood. But then you also have Elton John's Step into Christmas, and that's so underrated. Uh-huh. I love Elton. I have, I have a soft spot for Elton. So let me ask you this, because I was having a debate with my sister. That um, <laughs> my sister, God bless her, she is an amazing woman. She is way smarter than me. Got her master's recently, but just when she comes home to Miami, it's like the filters off. Like living in New York, and it's just like our inside jokes with everything. So she tells me, she asked me, she's like, hey, David, she's like, so what the fuck is it with all these fucking Indian movies portraying like bands? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, did you see that Beatles movie she's talking about uh, yesterday? And I'm like, yeah, I saw it. It was okay. Like, I didn't think it was like shit. She's like, nah, like, I don't want to watch it. Like, it looks like dog shit. And it's like, what the fuck is that Bruce Springsteen Bruce one? Bruce Springsteen movie. <laughs> and then I was debating. I'm like, yeah, when I saw the preview, like, it looked like shit. But it looked like shit only because of the premise that, like, I don't feel like Bruce Springsteen or, like, Elton John, who had his own movie also, right? Rocket Man? Okay, yes. But those are two very different movies. But I don't feel like, I don't, well, I haven't seen, I haven't seen any of them. Well, because, okay, so if, if, I mean, personally, from, from the, from looking at on the outside, because I haven't seen the Bruce Springsteen movie and I haven't seen the Beatles movie either, but. Um, you ball, saw Rocket ba- Man? I did see Rocket Man. Yes. Yeah. So was Ro- it good? Rock, I, I enjoyed it. I I thought it was better than most um most biopics are, but Rocket Man is approaching uh the music movie from a different way that Yesterday and the Bruce Springsteen movie are are um are approaching it. You know, Bollywood, the Bollywood musical is like an institution in India, right? Like that. No, yeah, that is yeah. sort of the like the the defining aspect of of Bollywood culture. So it's like if. If we're no, existing, those aren't even Bollywood movies. They no, just I have know. Indian no, lead I know, actors. But that's what I'm that's what I'm getting to. Is that on a global scale, if you're trying to make movies on a global scale, right, and you're trying to find a way to make an Indian movie appeal to Americans, right? But you're also trying to find a way to make that movie appeal to the Indian market that it comes from, right? And I don't know if it's if they're Indian uh if they're if they're movies that were financed by India. I'm assuming they are because they have Indian leads, but maybe it was a movie made by Sony Pictures. I don't know. Uh but it would make sense to me in the same way that you would want to repeat this information for, you know, foreign audiences that if you want to find a way to make Bollywood movies big in America, instead of making the mu- the music about Indian music, make yeah, it about American, American music, music, right? 
But do you feel like it has the same like cultural pull? Like Bruce Springsteen doesn't have the same cultural pull as like Queen does. Same with like Elton John. My sister and me and my sister were debating. She's like, yeah, they are. She's like, they're just as big. I'm like, what? She's like, they're just as big. She's like, you just don't know. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, Bruce, you're gonna Bruce tell Springsteen me? is a big deal. It, it really is a big really? deal. Culturally, was he was a very, very big deal. Really? I wouldn't put him on the same pedestal as Queen or even the Beatles. So Elton right? John is the one right below. Because I feel like Elton John would make more sense for a biopic than Bruce Springsteen. I mean, I'd, I'd venture to agree with you, but that's only because I like Elton John's music more than I like Bruce Springsteen's music. But I Bruce like Springsteen was a big deal, you know? I mean, he was. That There's no denying that, you know? Really? Yes, really. Actually, speaking of Bruce Springsteen, he does have actually one of the best Christmas songs also all time. And it was a live performance, right? What was his? Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus oh. is coming to town. Dude, if you sing that for any longer, we're going to get copyright strike. That sounds just like him. That yeah. sounds just like the song. I felt like I was at the concert you right you're now. at the concert. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and happy. Well, are we gonna? Ha- I mean, uh, this would probably be the last episode of the year, wouldn't it? Holidays. What's uh? What's next Saturday looking like? What day is that? Or you know, are you leaving it? Are you going anywhere? I don't think I'm going anywhere. What's next Saturday? Um. Merry Christmas. Because we uh, we could do the 29th, maybe. Okay, next Saturday is the 28th. We could do that if you want. So to. if we wanted to have another episode out. Before the end of the year, it would basically have to be on the 31st. It would basically have to be a New Year's episode. You can't do it on the 28th? Why not? No, I'm saying we would record on the 20th, but I have to edit it. Oh, friend. yeah, but we could edit it. It's going to take some time. Oh, yeah, but we could. We do not have to release it the 31st. You could. Do, do, would, would, would you would, would you like to sit down and edit it immediately no, right no, after? No, I'm not. I'm saying you can release it whenever you want to. There's no I'm, rush for this. I, I know. I'm saying, I'm saying if we wanted to have it out before the end of the year, it would have to be. By by Tuesday, right? But if we record on the twenty eighth and we're not trying to hit the end of the year, then sure, it could come out on the third. Then there's no you know rush. What about the twenty seventh? What's the twenty seventh looking like for you? That's Friday. I don't know. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. What's your Christmas plans looking like? Um, you know, same thing every year. A little bit at my mom's house and then go to my grandmother's to go see my sister. You see and your father uh, on Christmas or no? Yeah, yeah. When I mean, obviously, when I see my sister, right? I mean. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, that's you kind said of your it, mom's really. house and then your grandma's. Well, because I, I mean, I sleep here generally, right? So, yeah. um, I would be here on Christmas morning, and then they would be over there on Christmas morning. My dad, and my sister. So then I would meet them afterward. I mean, that's you know that's Christmas usually how. Afternoon. It, that's usually how it goes when you have family in, in two places, you know, dad in one place and mom in the other. I mean, especially when I got the car, right? And as soon as I got the car, I had two Thanksgivings and two uh, two Nochebuenas and two Christmas mornings and, you know, two of all those big days. What do you most... Two Nochebuenas, too. What do you guys do here for well, Christmas? <laughs> here's What's the thing. What's Since we got the new house, we've been doing Nochebuena here because really? we have the space for it. Okay. Right? So Noche Buena typically uh, happens here. How many people? Last year we had like fifty people here. Really? It was just like madness. No, too many people. And I didn't even know. I, I, I honest to God, that's knew the, ten of them. That's the only problem when it comes to. Oh, because probably maybe, I'm guessing like mom's coworkers or father's. No, coworkers. a lot of them are are the extended family on my stepdad's side who we'd never see. 
We never see them, right? I don't even know any of them by name. Hey, you know? hey, hey. Okay, um, you all grown up. Anyway, I think it's going to be smaller this year, but I'm pretty sure it's still going to be like 30 or 35 people, you know? Okay. Um, but no, ever since ever since my grandfather got Alzheimer's, we just haven't done like Noche Buena really on on my dad's side. It's it's kind of it's kind of segmented, you know, cuz um that was really where everyone came together was at my grandparents' house, right? Where my grandparents had, you know, all their friends and all that come over and you know, my you know, uh, my uncle and you know, my dad and and all all those, you know, there would be like 35 people over there, but you know, they'd have all the plastic tables outside and the cajachina and all that, you know. I don't know, it was something weird, but I always I always felt like that fa- sense of family, you know, like, I don't know, that, that family quality, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it. Because it's more... I was telling you about, I always felt that way more at my grandparents' house than I ever, ever did on my mom's side. And I don't particularly know why. I think this is probably a more Hispanic thing, something more traditional, something that you know more about, you're more familiar with. Well, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't venture to say it's the Hispanic thing, because I'm, I'm pretty removed from like my Hispanic side, right? Like I, but I can the, barely speak. But there's Spanish. more, but there's more of a communal feeling doing, I guess, the Hispanic Christmas Eve, because again, yeah, that sense of camar- camaraderie, everyone's Maybe. like surrounded the La Cajachina, the Chinese box, waiting for the pig to come out. Everyone's there bullshitting, telling stories while waiting for it music eh, it's a little different than like what i imagine this part looks like you know you have your christmas jazz on you got your hey how are you oh my god you are so big wow wow and how's luke and ryan oh wow. they are fantastic wow, wow. <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know or maybe, or maybe you guys throw, or maybe you guys throw a really crazy a really white par- Christmas. I uh, know a really crazy party here. I don't know. I'm just making assumptions. We don't really throw crazy parties. That's that. Uh, that's not our. That's, that's not what we do. Bag. That's what we do at my grandma's house. The cops always come like at two a.m. But now it's getting really sad to see because, I mean, we've had this party since even before I was born. So, growing up, I guess it's always this crazy party. At least, at least. 80, 100 people. At least. And now it's just... too many people. (laughs) That's just too many people. (laughs) It's fun, bro. I don't know what to tell you. And um, so I think that much people, everyone's waiting for like a hachina or a pig to come out, this monstrosity to come out. And then on top of all that, you know, it's just, again, small dances. I'm just... Like dancing. I will say, actually, now that I think about it, I think it's the kahachina. I really, I really do. I think it's the smell and just that that communal experience of waiting and all that. Um, you know, we just have you know tartars here, right? Like just you know food that's been prepped already. Oh and, yeah. You know. Oh yeah, it's not the same. It's there. not the same. You're not. It's on a experience because for me that was almost like, almost like a bar mitzvah of sorts. Almost like coming into manhood, taking care of like a hachina. For me, it was. I felt for real. Yeah, I remember. That's cool. I remember the first year I had to like rake the coals and lift it and do all that stuff or help prepare the pork. Like that's one of my favorite things of like we did with Christmas. Um, but when it comes to uh, well, like you know, growing up with that humongous party, you start you know people start aging, you start noticing little by little, people start just dying off or just too old to attend. So now it goes from like eighty or hundred to like. 25 30 20 sometimes and you're just like shit 
you start realizing it's like maybe or some people just get there all their lives and they have like new families and they do stuff with them you get me people get pulled apart like last year that was the first time i was not there at midnight for noche when i was at my ex-girlfriend's house and my mom was uh. livid <laughs> she's like mm, no christmas eve you was with your family no matter what i'm just like sorry like what am i supposed to do but I mean, I kind of got a firsthand experience, like how doing that whole two Christmas, that two Thanksgiving thing, also. But for me, like Thanksgiving's also like low key very important. But this year we had a table of seven, because I broke up with my girlfriend right before everyone else yeah. and their girlfriends were out of town, or my other cur- cousins or boyfriends were in Orlando working or whatever. My sister didn't come down. My sister was in Sweden with her boyfriend visiting her godchild, so. It was like a really weird thing. We still had a good time, mm-hmm. but it just, I agree with you. Family's super important. And you just realize that a lot when you're older. I know, but I mean, and not to, not, not to criticize your, your mother or anything Hit like me. that, but Hit me. like when, when that reaction where it's like, you know, right. Like you're not here. Right. Like that's not right. Like you're supposed to be here. That's not about you. That's about her. That, when fair. I hear that, no, that's fair. That when I hear that's what it sounds like to me. No, that's fair. Yeah, it's like no. in order for very, my noche buena to be right, very selfish. No, you I agree. have to be here. Very selfish. Yeah. <coughs> oh man, you family's should, important, and you should have seen the conniption she threw when, um, when like Christmas dinner, we go to my one of my uncle's house on my father's side, and um, she couldn't go because her father is like, "Hey, I'm here now. Also, like, you gotta spend Christmas with me." Because her father's job is, you know, requires her to be overseas and all that. And my mom was fucking living. <laughs> but, I mean, I was pretty pissed off, too. I was very pissed off, actually. But, you know, it is what it well, is. Just, it, re- it was a very stressful holiday season last year, actually. Fuck that. Jesus it, remi- it reminds me of a couple of years ago. Um, I hate doing I, I The girl I was dating at the time, she wanted to take me to Disney for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to actually be there at Disney on my birthday. And, um... And I remember my mom was just like, "You're not gonna be here on your birth." Like she wanted, like she wanted to celebrate my birthday, and I'm like, "It's it's it's my day. birthday. It's my it's day. Mine, right? Like if 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 I if I've determined that I want to spend it with her and I and she wants to take me somewhere, then I'm gonna do that, right? Like why our birthdays really important to you? They're not really. It's not that they're important to me. It's just it's striking to me how important it was. To someone who wasn't me, right? Like how it was more about them than it was about me. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay, well, is the day about me or is it about you? <laughs> Which is it? Did you right? say that? I don't remember if I said that. I probably said something like that because I don't have a filter. That's another, that's that's one of my big problems. And I guess, you know, we've been recording way too long, so we'll, we won't get into that Tinder <laughs> yeah. story. But, you know, the. Oh, I guess we'll save it for next week. The core of that Tinder story was that I just, you know, I, I'm way more comfortable when I just don't have my filter on, right? When I when I can just talk to people and be honest with people. This is and, gonna be fun for next week. And um what what you dropped the you dropped the, the slur? You dropped the slur? No, it's not it's not a slur. It's not like <laughs> dropping hard R N bombs doesn't mean I'm comfortable with you, okay? I'm talking about just feeling relaxed enough where you can just say the things as they come to you, you know, and feeling okay. feeling okay enough to be able to work back from it if you say something that's not you know mm-hmm. up to par or something like that but okay yeah you can't be like that with everybody 
That's true. You can. Some people can take the no filter thing really well. Some people are like, <laughs> I know, but it's just I don't like the idea of of having to live in a no. I don't way where I'm not. I don't. I don't like the idea of embracing like, everything of walking on eggshells. Yeah, you know, no, it's like I it, agree. There's, there's no way to live. I agree. There's no way to live when you're just walking on eggshells with your romantic partner 24 seven. Nah. That's what I was doing towards the end. Just there was certain stuff that would just piss her off, which I would even bring it up. Nothing to do with politics, nothing like that. Just like an internal problem. And it's like, hey, this needs to be like resolved, or so you're working on it. So if I bring it up, yeah, the no. freaking gates of hell would open. But uh, you know, you live and you learn. So, Sergio, so long ago, have we come closer to naming this podcast? Okay, so I'm I'm of the mind where I like the idea of there being a name and then followed by presents. And that's where I'm at right now. And I don't know exactly. So Sergio and David present what? Whoever the guest is, I guess, or wh- whatever the subject of conversation is. You know, I don't know. You know I, what? There we go. I agree with it. I just, I like the I idea. I agree with it just to get out of it. <laughs> just to get out of it? Just to get out of it. Because we have, we have not thought of anything that has stuck Pod Tards was okay. Yeah, it was okay, but that's the thing, right? That's like the that's like the rise of Skywalker of podcast names, where it's like it's okay. It's a okay. C plus. It's a C plus. It's Pod-tards. a C plus. Uh, no, I mean, because what's the objective of the show, right? Like, if the objective of the show is is sort of just trying to understand who people are, right? Yeah. Then what? How do we convey that in a title, right? And that's true. You know what? That's actually a very true idea. So, do you want to announce our guest for next week? Are we going to have a guest for next week? Do we have a guest for next week? I think I could get a guest for next week. Well, I don't want to make any announcements because last time we, I mean, or la- rather when you were like, all right, we're going to get like 10 people to play flag football and only like four of them showed up. That's not true. I mean, yeah, it is very true. That's it's 100% true. true. But you know what? I was dropping bombs and scoring touchdowns and we're going to do the same right now after this. What time is it? Are we? It looks pretty uh gray It looks, out pre- there. looks like pretty good weather for football. Yeah? Yeah. That that greatness looks yeah. like good weather for football. Yes, where it looks like it's about to fucking rain down hellfire upon us. Merry Christmas, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, I don't know. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Merry Christmas. You know what I want for Christmas? A name for the show. I think we just got it. That's an early Christmas gift. Sergio and David present. Yeah, I. I it's not. It's better than Rise of Skywalker. It's a B minus. It's a B. You know what? Because I do like it. We just need nice, clean design font. Creative design. Adobe Photoshop. <laughs> Merry Christmas and happy. Well, I just, I like the idea of it being, you know, you're trying to understand who someone is, so there's a connection there, right? Well, I mean, so it's going to be fun. Because connection, I think, is the core here. Because a lot of these guests that I'm thinking of bringing on, you don't know them. Sure. And it'd be interesting to learn. Exactly. So what kind exactly of the onus is on you. You're interviewing them, essentially. The connection there. So me and this person might be cackling, and you have to be straight face trying to figure out who this person is. Sergio yeah. and David present. Well, I guess we'll figure out who we present. Are we presenting someone next week? We got to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about it, and I guess you'll just find out next week when you tune in. Yeah. All right. As always, you could find us on one of the major channels. Just kidding. You just only find us on YouTube. Until we have a title. Until we have a working title. But right now, I think we have a dark horse candidate. Not a, I'm not even really 
gonna say that's our lead candidate. This is a dark horse because we have no lead. It's not a dark horse. It's our only horse. I guess if it's a one horse race, that horse wins, right? Is that our pod darts? <laughs> I hope not. Merry Christmas and Merry happy Christmas. holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and happy holidays.